This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. This call is being recorded. This call is your SteelerFury.com podcast. I am uh, Brad Shadabin, a.k.a. Will Mastersag. I'm your host. I'd like to say I'm star of the show, except for that's that's a... Something that uh, you could live in an in infamy being the star of this show, uh, but uh, with me as always uh, from Pittsburgh Suburban Zone Twenty Two. Not really, folks. He's not really from there. Um, his name is Steel Perch. He's joined us this morning. How are you, sir? I'm out here and present. Where's the other guy at? Uh, he's our, our, our other cohort who's always here is not always here because he's not here right now. So um, this would be a good chance uh, to tell us, Perch. It's uh, I don't know how many years you've been doing the show now. This is the tenth season of the show. I think this is this is eight for you, maybe seven. It could be, yeah. I, I, w- I want to say it'd be seven or eight. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and uh, so this is your first opportunity to tell us what you think of FC and, and uh, your your cohort here on the show. Nothing but uh, respect for the man. Just wish he was here. That's all. <laughs> that's it. I give you. I give you a free shot, and that's all you got. I'd, I'd probably take a free shot at him if he was actually on the call to respond to it, but I'm not going to do it without him here. So, <laughs> oh, that's a gentleman. That's, that's what well, they that's call that. That's all the fun of it, right? <laughs> if he was, if you knew he was listening, I wonder if if he ever listens to the show. Actually, I know that he does because he, he he's commented about things in the past. But uh, anyway, all right, enough of making fun about FC. Let's make fun of your Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, every every time I hear the question come out of my mouth. So I'm listening to you guys quote, and I'm you're you know it sounds like there's no way the Steelers could lose. There's no way that the other team can keep it close. And I asked the question, you know, what would what would have to happen for the other team to be successful in this game? Unquote. Every time I hear myself ask that question, I should just immediately assume uh, that it's going to come true because that seems to always be the case. <laughs> and this week was no exception. Um, that was one of those games that you know, I don't know. Uh, First of all, you tell tell me what you're what we're thinking as the game rolled on. Were you thinking, I can't believe that that uh, they're figuring out a way to lose this game? Um, you know they tried. If you remember what how I answered your question, they'd have to try really really hard to blow that game, and man, did they try hard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they did everything you could possibly do from you know from the penalties to to get you know to completely blowing two coverages. I mean, all, all of the Colts points in that game, the two touchdowns they got uh, were completely off of blown coverage. You know, the field goal came off of an interception. Uh, the, uh, you know, then they blocked a, an extra point. I mean, just all the stupid mistakes that you could see the team make, that you could imagine them making. Every break that can go against you went against them. It, and that's been the common thread. And, and every time they're a 10-point favorite against a bad team on the road, Nine times out of ten, they seem like they lose the game outright, and they never cover. And, and why? It's always those same, you know, blown plays. They start slow, you know, uh, just turnovers and, and bad special teams play. And, and that's that's what they tried hard. They tried hard to lose it. They weren't quite good enough to lose it, though. <laughs> You're gonna have to work harder to lose the game. Uh, also joining us on the show, 
is, as always, uh, is the curmudgeon, is a slightly tardy curmudgeon this morning. His name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? Fine. You said this was going to be Thursday at 10. No, Wednesday, and you're, I wouldn't even check your message. You see, cool. now this is this is the problem with being me. Uh, be, I don't know what day it is, apparently. Trust me. And I'm the curmudgeon. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh we're we're pretty good. We were just uh, I gave Perch a free shot. I was like, so after seven years, what do you think of FC really? Since he's not here, and the, and he would not take a shot at you, you know. He he's said, a fine, fine man. And I, apparently, yes. He's, well, no, tell him what I said. I said I wouldn't take a shot at him unless he was on the phone with us. Now that he's here, I can start no, talking. No, calls are off. That fucking cock. <laughs> well, wait. I have a question yeah. for you, Perch. Do you when you're playing golf? Uh, like, and you're by yourself and you nudge your ball and it moves like an inch. Do you count the stroke? That's all I really want to know. No, absolutely not. I, and I don't budge an inch. If I'm going to make a motion to kick that sucker, I'm kicking that sucker. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you Sometimes and... I'll just pick it up, put it in the pocket, walk 15 yards, and then casually drop, drop it. it. <laughs> <laughs> like odd job. In Goldfinger class. This is something you guys should know about me if we golf together. Is that I I count the, the strokes. I'm terrible this way. I'm like the most honest scorer in golf, which is why I'm such a bad golfer. I'm painfully aware of how many strokes I take. Anyway, uh, I I digress. Uh, FC, your your Pittsburgh Steelers almost found a way to lose that game. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I was going to say to Perch, I've been saying for years since I was a little kid that you could watch the first five minutes of almost any Steelers game, turn it off, and successfully predict the outcome. Um, this week was probably a rare example of one where you, it was, it, the outcome did not match how the early part of the game was. Um, so at least they did manage to right the ship. What would you take out of that, that week? Um, we have some very serious communication breakdown offensively. And... Uh, Defensively, um, I actually heard the end of what Perch was saying, and I thought it was spot on. I mean, looking around message boards, looking around the Internet, I see a lot of people um, are, like, blasting away at uh, the kid from Clemson that we signed. Name escapes me. Cornerback that we added from the Titans. Cody, Cody Sensabaugh. I didn't think he was bad at all. I mean, when he came in, I thought it was going to be the end of the world. I mean... He was a little bit passive, you know, maybe giving a little bit more of a cushion than we would like, but he really wasn't an issue. I'm starting to have a few problems with Mr. Artie Burns peeking in the backfield and getting beat over the top. But I don't I mean, know why that, if it didn't bother you the first five times he did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it bothered me. It was just, you know, it wasn't the Colts and, you know, we're going to, there's going to have to be improvement on the, on the defensive side of the ball. But if I, if you told me that, I would be more confident in our defense, you know, coming up on Thanksgiving than our offense. You know, at the beginning of the year, I would have laughed at you just because of just the apparent talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the Steelers probably legitimately have three number one wide receivers on the offense. You know, they have two decent tight ends, maybe the best running back in the NFL, two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. And, uh, you know, Adrian Claiborne says the best offensive line in the NFL after – what he did to Dallas last week. So, you know, um, I came away from, I think, last week's game outside of the Jacksonville game and the Bears game because they were actual losses was probably the most disappointing game of the year for me to watch just because it's they're so just – the team looks lost. 
They really do, especially offensively. Well, I mean, the thing is, you, they left you with a big finish, you know, because that's the that's the last impression that we had. The last third of the game um, was a pretty good football game, you know. So the problem is, do you want to think about the question is rather, do you want to think about what they did the first two thirds of the game, <laughs> or, they, or can you choose to focus on the last third? Um, you know, I I kind of came out of it with a little bit more glass uh, half full view in that, um, you know, the team totally hasn't put it together yet, but here they are, they're seven and two and they're, you know, they're, they're not necessarily on, they don't to the eye test. They don't look quite as good as a couple of other teams in the league, but, but considering the fact that they really haven't gelled a hundred percent as a team, it's kind of a, you know, I kind of have to feel pretty good about that seven and two. I, I don't know, Perch, you think this is an illusion uh, or do you think that they will eventually get it together? Is it just, you know, me ho- hopeful thinking, wishful thinking? Well, it's a, we talk about it every week. It's a league full of parody and a league full of mediocrity. And if you can do those things in ugly games that take, it takes to scrap out an ugly win, and the other team I think of just like Pittsburgh is, is Minnesota, those two teams have not looked too pretty and, you know, their offenses have been stagnant at times, but – they're both sitting at seven and two. So if you're seven and two, you, you've kind of earned that record. You're right, though. They don't look, you know, nearly as impressive as what we all assumed coming into the year. And you know, the schedule they played some tough defenses. They haven't really played that many great offenses yet. But um, just kind of going back to that last topic on Artie Burns, I'm much less disappointed in Artie Burns peaking in the backfield and getting beat over the top than I am with his effort after that. But once he realized. <laughs> He fucked up, right? And the ball was in the air going over his head. He turned and casually jogged down the field. He didn't say, oh, oh hell, I fucked up. I'm going to run and at least tackle this guy at the five and maybe we could try to hold him to a field goal. He quit. He just slowly jogged and was like, yeah, I screwed that one up. You know, at no time or no point did he, he give an, an effort to, to go run that thing down. Like, you know, Jesse James, whenever he got beat on his second special teams play of the year and, and got a, an extra point blocked, he, you know, he felt a little remorse there and busted his ass downfield and made a tackle to, to save a couple points in that game. I just didn't see that from, from Marty Burns. But, um, you know, just as, as far as the offense goes, boy, it, it really comes down to who's that secondary weapon. You can hand the ball to Bell all day and he's going to run for some yards for you. He's really not really breaking any 20-plus yard runs. He's just, you know, getting the five, six, eight yards that are there. Antonio Brown does what he does. But really, there hasn't been a second receiver established. I think two tight ends are, are guys. I mean, McDonald is going to drop as many as he catches. Jesse James is just a guy. <clears throat> I mean, nobody's like, game planning for him. Martavis Bryant, for whatever reason, has not gotten gotten himself rolling yet. yet. And it, it's taken really, you know, through six games of the season before uh, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster has, has really started to establish himself. But you know, another thing with that offense, I think that they're doing wrong or maybe a disservice is they're not taking advantage of Le'Veon Bell's ability to run routes. I don't know if you guys have seen this or looked at it or not, but you realize he has more yak yards after the catch than he has receiving yards. Can you comprehend that? So basically he's catching the ball behind the line of the scrimmage every single time or three yards or four yards back in the backfield and then running for five or six to gain two yards. That That's an amazing stat, by it's, the way. It's an amazing stat. He has more yak than receiving yards. So, you know, they're not taking advantage of him and looking at it, who's on the field and say, hey, let's split him out wide and get him, you know, soloed up on a linebacker and, and throw the ball to him seven or eight yards downfield and let him run for another ten. Everything that we've thrown to him all year has been – 
at or behind the line of scrimmage on little dump-offs or screens, and that's it. I mean, go back and through your memory banks and think, have we really thrown the ball down on a wheel route or anything else and take advantage of his, his, you know, his ability to run pass routes like a receiver? They haven't done it. So, you know, really, you, you've got Ben forcing the ball into Antonio Brown, who's double-teamed. You know, Juju's just now kind of getting into being that, that second guy. Martavis is kind of a head case. The two tight ends are, are mediocre. So you really don't have that secondary or third, you know, passing threat that, that they need to, to score more than 20 points a game. So that, I think that's the big, you know, issue going forward is I think I saw a stat today. Only one team ever has made the Super Bowl average in less than 24 points a game, and the Steelers average 20 right now. So, unless they start throwing a bunch of points up in the second half of the year, it doesn't look so good. Well, FC, let's talk to to that end. I mean, we've raised a whole bunch of issues. I think eventually I want to get around to talking about the field goal uh, protection unit because we had major problems this year with it, not just on the ones that were blocked, but the ones that were problems uh, that were the field goals managed to be good. But FC, let's talk about this communication thing because that was the thing you brought up earlier. Um, this whole fiasco with the two-point, play where apparently uh, they had the wrong personnel on the field or they didn't know the play they lined up wrong then uh, after the they called a they called a timeout no sorry took a delay of game penalty uh, and then ran the same people again out there uh, and still had the problem in the same formation lining up didn't get it corrected uh, during the time and people are screaming at each other and so on and so forth um, I mean that that's just that's the kind of stuff that should not be happening in the tenth week of the NFL season, correct? It is not. Um poor coaching, poor execution. Um and I think a good bit of it is an offensive coordinator that's attempting to be too cute, not show too much, just you know there's so many just fundamental problems with the team. You know, there's a reason why most teams stop running eight-man fronts with two deep safeties. And it goes to what Perch was saying, where you just hit the running back or the tight end on four-yard routes, and they stumble four yards, second and two. And if they show you the eight-man front again, you do it, because both linebackers are dropping out, and you have two deep safeties. There's one to cover the secondary targets. These are simple things, but it's the Steelers won't do it. I have absolutely no idea what the problem was with the two-point conversion. They say they put in a new play. They say they didn't have to line up. So that's a big problem. That's a, problem. That's a communication problem. That's a player problem. That's something that has to be scrapped. You know, um, what are you doing during the week? <laughs> you know, I – with the way the offense is executing, I don't think that maybe Ben should necessarily get that extra day off. He doesn't have to be physical. He doesn't have to throw. But, you know, you can go through plays. You can go through formation. Um, I think a, a big part of the Steelers' problems outside of Artie Burns, which I also completely agree with what Perch says, that, you know, after he gets burned, he doesn't seem to really give a fuck. Um, it's not a hustling issue. This, I, I think the Steelers play hard. I just think they play stupid. And I don't know how you fix it. I don't think anybody does. If they do, they would probably be coaching in the NFL. I don't know how to fix it. But see, I, I don't. I'm not that I'm saying I know how to fix it. But I think, in large measure, sticking with the offensive side of the football uh, for a second, I think in large measure with the offense that they're the problems are that they don't like they're they understand that what they're running is kind of old and stale. And it doesn't have; they don't have that same mental edge with the offense that they do when they have, there's flow 
We always talk about the offense getting flow, and it doesn't seem like they start games with flow. Um, I, you know, I don't know. To, to me, what got them out the eight-man boxes. You know? Not, not um, going to give you flow. It's true. Right. It, Waiting for third know, down to throw. You know. Right. Not going to give you flow. I mean, it would be amazing what you could do if, you know, if they show that eight-man front and you just hit a quick slant and you split those safeties. It's not like Martavius Bryant hasn't done it four or five times in his career and gone 60 or 70 yards. You throw people out of coverages. You throw people out of defensive fronts. And, you know, we, we, I, we all three of us agreed last year, the Sears got to get to the point where they throw the ball to score points, get points on the board, and then they start working their end game to start killing clock and to control the game. You need to get in control before you start, you know, just pissing around. And the Steelers piss around a lot. Yeah, particularly particularly on the road, although they've started in recent years, like the last, uh, you know, uh, calendar year, they've started doing it at home as well. Um, but they were, for a while there, that was the you know, the big home road thing, was that when they went on the road, they, they started the game as if they were already in killing clock mode, um, which is, you know, which is a very different approach. Let's put it that way. It's a very different approach from what most teams seem to want to do. Um, you know, this this thing with the hiding, uh, you know, that, this, that they're not showing their full hand and so on and so forth. Like, I, I didn't really buy it last week. And then I watched this game, and when, uh, you know, when, when Ben and Fitchner called the, the two-point play, that was a pass that was over the middle. When Ben was running no huddle finally for the first time this year, they were calling plays over the middle. It struck me that, you know, that's a that there was a message in that. It was like, oh, guess what? You know, if I'm calling the plays, I'm going to call something different than what you've been calling. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like they go into no huddle and suddenly they're just they're calling the same plays but just running them more quickly. Um, Perch, did you read anything into that as I did? That that um, I mean, I just feel like there's a big struggle going on right now between the quarterback and the brain trust in terms of what they want to try to do on offense you Ben fuck you <laughs> I mean you know when you have a, a clip of, of your offensive coordinator screaming at the top of his lungs at, at, the, at the quarterback you know fuck you while they're getting two delayed games in a row you know it just it's a bad situation there but uh, you know it's it's Todd Haley and I I guess I understand a little bit hey they had to buy week and they put in a brand new play in a brand new formation and you've got some young players and somebody lined up in the wrong place and who knows who it was, but to do it twice in a row, even after you've taken a timeout and you go back to the same formation, it's just inexcusable. Um, now that you guys touched a little bit on that topic of, you know, Ben not getting enough reps in practice and stuff, you know, they talked, Tomlin talked about how it was so nice to get Josh Dobbs, all these reps, you know, it, it, during the bye week. So you've got an off, you, you've got a Super Bowl aspiration season. You've got a bye week. You've got a struggling offense. And instead of working with your, your core guys to kind of get them up to speed because Martavis Bryant and Juju really both missed the majority of training camp and, and preseason with, with injuries and suspensions and whatnot, you, you sign Vance McDonald <clears throat> at the very, very end of camp. Instead of taking your bye week and working on some things with those guys, you want to get your third-string quarterback a bunch of reps? You know, and then the guys talk about, you know, hey, it felt like, a, you know, a practice day today. It didn't feel like a game day. We weren't really prepared. And it's the same shit coming out of bye weeks. They always look bad out of the bye week, you know, against a bad opponent on the road. 
you know, if I was coaching that team and I had the reputation of being bad against bad teams on the road, I'd be beating my team's ass all week and getting in their head. Hey, we're, we're going to go out and, and, and finally put a stink on somebody and, and beat these guys and beat them by 30. And, and it's just the, the same thing happened again. It's like Groundhog Day. Every single time, it's the same shit. Well, hey, Perch, I mean, that, that would tell you that they think they're, they're happy with what their offense is doing. In other words, you know, they're, they're not thinking that offense is dysfunctional the way that we're looking at them. I mean, for starters, um, they're number five in the NFL in time of possession. Isn't that what they're really after? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like last year uh, the Steelers uh, had, a, you know, a time of possession of uh, 30 minutes and 26 seconds per game this year 31 minutes and 57 seconds they're they're almost two minutes ahead in time of possession where they were last year i'm sure the coaching staff is thrilled well, that's, uh, that's two things you can't bitch about though they move the ball well and they hold the ball for a long period of time they really they do don't, they don't score they don't score in bunches they don't take advantage of short fields they get down you know these big drives they get into the red area and they you know call stupid plays and lose yards or get a penalty and then settle for field goals it just it's been that way for, you know, how long has Todd Haley been here? It's been that way since he's been here. You know, he's a, he's, he's a legacy guy. He's like the, you know, he's the legacy guy at Harvard where, the, you know, he, can't, he couldn't get into any college except for that his parents and, you know, generations have gone there. Um, I don't know, FC. It's like this, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the scoring thing for so long now and in the, in the entirety of Todd Haley's career. I mean – uh, you know, do do they do they have a right to feel like their offense is doing mostly what they wanted to do, so they're not that worried about it, or like is it just us as fans? I guess is the question. I don't I don't think that it's us as fans. And another problem that I I have is where do they go from Haley in season? Let's say they wanted the Yank to play calling duties from. We don't have a single offense assist assist on our staff that's ever called plays. Not right. Didn't. didn't didn't Fitchner call plays at uh, at uh, wherever he was in college? Memphis. Memphis. I, I do not believe he did. I oh, believe wow. he was a quarter, but I do not believe he was a play caller. I Richard Mann, Mike Munchak, new new. So I mean, even you know, there was talk that they wanted to go stick Haley in the box, and he refused, like up in the press box, and he refuses to to do that. You know, Fitchner and Ben seem to have a pretty decent relationship, similar to that of Fitchner. And, or excuse me, Ben and yeah, I'm not going to say it's that close, but I think Fitchner is a pretty decent buffer because I believe there's times that Ben Roethlisberger would like to punch Toddy straight in the fucking face. I, I know there's times that all three of us would like to, but you know, um, this first... Look, I just, can I just stop and say for a second? I, I love the show. Go ahead. <laughs> they don't have nowhere to turn. I mean, Maybe maybe Munchak has you know some skill. I mean, as as that I don't know about, and maybe Fitchner can do it. But we're stuck with we're stuck with. Last year or a few years ago, I was praying that Todd Haley off University of Florida head coaching job. Now probably would be back by now because he would have probably been fired from that already. But you know, I I do I think the Sewers are content. Yeah, in a way, they're seven and two. You know, that's they're you know, if they win this week and Baltimore and Cincinnati lose, you're starting talking about are we gonna wrap up the division before Christmas or before Thanksgiving? I mean sarcasm to a point, but you know, the the Steelers in their fan base, we, we, we don't expect 
to make the playoffs. We expect to win Super Bowls, and I don't believe the team's heading in that direction. And I think the opportunity is there this year to win Super Bowls because New England's defense is fucking terrible. I don't believe nearly as much in the Philadelphia Eagles as a lot of people do. And, you know, I believe the Saints are a fraud to a point as well. I believe the NFL is wide open. People say parity, I say wide open. And I guess the two things mean the same thing. But there, there's no reason why the Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl this year outside of an anemic, mismatched, fucking crackhead offense. <laughs> they really are. They're that Dave Chappelle skit of offenses. I like it. Um, yeah, uh, for the way, just, just to clean up a couple things, um, Fitchner or Fickner. Fickner, Fitchner. I've never. Fitchner. Uh, he he uh, did in fact call plays at Memphis, uh, and also designed some plays there. He said because Arians was once uh, interviewed, talked about that he brought the screen game from college screen game, quote unquote, from Memphis that Arians incorporated into um, his playbook and carried it with him to Arizona as well. So um, he did do that. Um, and I know Todd Haley's out there. Uh, you know, all around the league, people are using Todd Haley's pass plays i'm sure um <laughs> probably not um i don't think the steelers are going to make a change mid-season i think obviously that's a whole bunch of wishful thinking but perch you know if there's a little tipping point in thursday thursday's game uh you know with offensive struggles at home um do they do have like a mini buy i mean are we is there like are you saying there's a chance not on your life i mean that's <laughs> not the real way just you know, as much as we think it's probably the right okay, thing. To okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. You say it's not the Rooney way. They did it twice when Bill Cowher was the coach. Twice. During the season. Yep. They uh, Ray Sherman got canned Ray in the Sherman. season, and then yep. also um, in '95 they demoted. They took play calling duties away from uh, Earhart. Earhart I, and gave him the chain yeah. I'd love to know what what more about what's behind. And I've seen the, the reports on you know there's some rumbling. A lot of the players and some of the coaching staff wants Haley up in the boot. What do you guys what do you guys make of that? What do you think the reason for that is? Just to get his ass off the sidelines? They think he could do a better job up there. What what's the purpose of that? I think I mean I'll, I'll give I'll go first, FC. You can have your your take, but Absolutely. my take is he's annoying. He's like the guy that nobody really likes, doesn't vibe with, and he's on the sideline all the time. Like that that play where in the game where he yelled at the defensive players, uh, you know, that missed a tackle, which is which is fine. But I just I just feel like he's. You know, he's just sort of like they don't really like him, and so he's like he's ruining their, harshing their mellow. That's my take. FC, what do you think? Absolutely, he's an annoying fuck that nobody can stand. <laughs> I mean, that would have been my answer. I mean, um, no one likes him. I mean, he's not a likable guy. If you would have yelled at me as a defensive player, I would have undone my belt, pulled down my pants, pulled on my girdle, and pissed <laughs> on his leg, and gave him the finger. I probably would have got fined. I'd probably be hate more than, hate wait, more than Colin Kaepernick. Bro, wait, probably? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I bet you there would be like 62.5% of Steeler Nation that would love me. I'm a legend. The great, they put me right up there with Chuck Knoll and the Chief. He pissed on her and he already pissed on Todd Haley's leg. Um, I've never in my life as a Steeler fan heard more people hate on somebody more than Todd Haley. I mean, Kent Graham, Tommy Maddox, Neil O'Donnell, 
with his fucking interceptions to Larry Allen or whatever that bastard's name was is not as much as Todd Haley is right now. And I think that a lot of people are seeing, like, we have a Ferrari offense that we're hauling bricks with, and that's the best. It's just, it doesn't fit. So the reason they went Todd Haley up in the box is, I think most people dislike Todd Haley. Well, Even when their players are asked to comment, they don't have nothing positive to say. No, unless it's a sort of like a backhanded comp. Well, you know, his we wife got, got big tits. We got him That's to yelling. We, we got him kids screaming at us for a second. You know, like it's sort of like a sideways right. compliment. Perch, you asked the question. What's your opinion? Yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. It was the only logical reason the players wouldn't want him on the sidelines because they don't want him on the sidelines. It's not like <laughs> they think he could do a better job from the booth. They just want him removed from the situation. And you're right that play where the guys missed the tackle on defense and, and the guy ran for an extra eight yards on, was it third and five or whatever, and got the, the first down, screaming in their face, like, you've got nothing to do with the defense. You shouldn't be coaching them. You shouldn't say shit. Uh, things like that, I think, it could definitely rub players the wrong way. And then, you know, telling his quarterback, fuck you, during the middle of the game. <laughs> I've never seen that before. So, But, yeah, just listening to Ben's interviews, I mean, he's always got some little dig or any time that Ben has changed a play and it worked. Well, Todd was calling this one play, but I changed it. And we had that slant to Martavis Bryant. And we went went down. And, you know, whenever we go to that no huddle, I'm able to get into a rhythm because I'm able to call the plays and see what I see on the field. And every week he's got those comments. So there's no love lost there. No, which is funny because, you know, in 2014, people were like, oh, you know, like they, they really repaired, the, like they, now they built a solid relationship together. It's like, you know, no, they didn't. No, they did not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and as, you know, as, I don't, I'd like to think that there's a possibility that they might, you know, change midstream if, if the situation really got untenable. I would say that it's more likely that that would, that that kind of change would be made because they can't, you know that they're they're openly fighting versus because the offense is underperforming you know what i mean like i, I feel like that would be more of a uh, an opportunity for um the coach to like you said remove him from the situation to try to make to try to make the thing work more smoothly but i'm sure the way that they like to turn that big tanker ship very slowly that uh, even if they were dissatisfied with him they'd probably wait till the end of the year um but my guess um so, Parsh, let's talk for a second about uh, special teams uh, mistakes because this is the kind of thing that al- almost cost this team again. I-, I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like the, St- the Steelers' right side of their field goal protection has allowed a free runner or barely, you know, uh, touched a guy coming around the corner that's made for some extremely nervous moments in in field goal and extra point kicks, and it seems to be a consistent problem. I know that's where Jesse James is. He's not the only one that's out there. But have you looked into this at all? Have you got a sense for what's going on? Um, you know, you're right on Jesse James, though. Wasn't it a punt block earlier in the year? It was both games Vance McDonald got hurt during the game. Jesse James replaced him. And I believe that the punt that got blocked early in the year, the guy just ran James over. On this one, the guy just ran right around him. You know, he was slow out of his out of his stance, and we got a field goal or extra point blocked, and you know, almost was a three point swing in the game because of it. But uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it it uh, that's just part of it. The, the fact that they can't even field a freaking punt. I mean, the punts are uh, Antonio Brown if he's lining up too deep or he's just not being aggressive enough to run forward and field just field the punt and fair catch him. We'd be ten yards, fifteen yards a game better than we are right now. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a really big play in the game. I thought. Sorry, Perch. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Yes, yeah, a lot of the penalties have been consistent the past few years. I almost wish every time that they would punt the ball, we would just fair catch it because any time we try to get a return, it would be, you know, a 15-yard, 10-yard flag or a 15-yard flag or whatever for, for you know, penalties on, on the return units. So it's bad, and we'd, we've talked about it at length in this show. There just aren't return-capable people on the roster. There's not an easy answer there uh, unless Cam Sutton comes back and is able to acclimate really quickly. Maybe after this week with the you know the week and a half off, they can try and get him some reps there. But there's not a solution there. It, it's got to be bad coaching. I, I mean, because it's been so consistent year after year after year, and it's it's all three every phase of you know kick coverage to to kicks to punts to to blocking everything on the special teams units is bad. They need to make a change after the year. Uh, FC, what's your take on this situation? Um, I'm gonna just gonna sound kind of simplistic on uh. On the block, extra point block, um, Jesse James and the right tackle didn't know what the snap count was. They had no idea when the ball was being snapped. They could, they were. I think they both were trying to look out of the left, uh, their, the corner of the left eye, and they didn't get off the ball, and they got beat. I think that's what it was. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not a big fan of Danny Smith. Um, so our special teams are a problem. Generally, special teams speaks to the bottom of your roster, the talent of your overall roster. I don't think that's necessarily as much it. I mean, um, I, it's bad coaching. It's horrible to say. You know, it seems like we're throwing Haley under the bus and the defensive coordinator, you know. it just. But the team just, whenever it's an execution issue and it's not a physical issue, you you got to look at coaching, you know. If it's not a talent issue, it's got to be coaching, preparation. And I would say that that's a large, a big part of the Steelers' problems offensively. Also, on defense, is they're fundamentally poor. You know, you got to get off the ball. You got to, you know, the tackling. The Steelers, I believe, far and away to lead the NFL in missed tackles as a team, unless you know the broadcast was full of shit, which they have been in the past. You know, <laughs> going back to what you know, Perch said about Le'Veon Bell, he led the NFL in yards after catch last year. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but yeah, he was the NFL leader in yards after catch. And this year, I mean, whenever I, I, I actually heard the same thing that Perch said that he has more yards after catch than receiving yards. And that's just, just, oh, that's ridiculous. And that comes down to coaching. That's Mike Tomlin. How about that? And that's, you know, Fitchner, that's Haley. That's, you know, that's, it, it's the staff. I don't like, a lot of our coaches. I don't think Joey Porter should have a job. If anybody can tell me or defend Joey Porter, that's great. He was a good Steeler player. He's not a very good coach. Same thing can be said for Danny Smith. I like Richard Mann. I like James Sexton, and I like Munchak. Pretty much, I'm not a fan of the rest of the coaches. John Mitchell has had good success with Eric line. But, you know, the special teams problem, and a lot of, a lot of the Steelers' issues are indicative of coaching. And I'm not an anti-Mike Tomlin guy like I was, you know, previous to the ex-head coach. It's just I don't, I don't see improvements. I see actual regression. Yeah. Well. Okay, guys. Um. I mean, I'm I'm sorry to 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 feel like I'm cutting it short. We, you know, it's it is it's funny. Like you know, we're Steelers fans through and through because. We were you got a seven and two team, and we're just right. all we did. We spent forty minutes talking about, you know, their problems. That the they Steelers have. fans, it's we amazing. bitch about a forty point loss, and the Steelers fans, we bitch about forty point wins. 
Yeah, but it's it's sort of a I mean it's more than usual. This is the best perch. This is the best record that a Mike Tomlin coach team has had through this many games in the season. I mean, come on, that's that's incredible considering what's happened to them so far this year. Yeah, but I, I guess I mean they were favored in every single game they played, though, right? So seven and two, if you look at it from that prism, is a little bit of a disappointment. Chiefs, but yeah, I think the, the only time we were an underdog this year was against the Chiefs. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. But, so yeah, we're one game worse than what the predictions say we should have been. The uh, I mean, it, it just it just sort of remind me a little bit of two thousand eight. Um, I can't help it. I mean, I said this earlier in the year, but it sort of does remind me of that 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 Philly game in two thousand eight. It just seemed like the end of the world. Like you know, this team is never going to win another game, uh, and that was sort of the Jacksonville game this year. And uh, for whatever reason, the offense you know took a long time to gel that year. And then, you know, in the in the half of football where they absolutely needed to be great, they were unbelievable, you know. So I guess it's possible um, that they'll, you know, that you can survive long enough for them to get it together no matter how long it takes. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Let's talk a little bit. Perch, I'll start with you about this week's matchup against Tennessee. First of all, short week, which makes it um, an unusual kind of situation. Um, secondly, I don't know how much you've seen of the Titans. What do, you, what do you think of this matchup uh, in terms of for the Steelers on a short week on Thursday Night Football? Well, you know, the Titans are pretty good. I, I, I don't think they're great. I think their offense, you know, they're, they're pretty similar. It's almost looking in a mirror. I think that they're a slightly less talented Pittsburgh Steelers where they move the ball pretty well. You know, these, these guys are pretty good in the red zone. Mario doesn't turn it over. They're, you know, their defense is pretty good, not great. I mean, if you look at where Tennessee rakes on offense and defense, they're both right around the middle of the league. So they're, you know, they, they just don't turn the ball over. They run it pretty well. They, they don't have one guy on offense that they're going to throw the ball to exclusively where they spread it. They've got five or six guys with over 100 receiving yards. So, and they spread the ball around to, to their backs, to their tight ends, and to their receivers. They want to run it. They've got two really good offensive tackles. They've got one of the better offensive lines in the league. So to me, that's really what's going to come down to in this game. Which team can kind of establish uh, the run? Uh, who could stop the run? And who who gets the turnovers? I don't think either team's going to get a ton of sacks in the game. Um, again, it's a, it's a pretty even matchup. But on those short weeks, you don't know what the hell's going to happen because people really haven't had time to game plan. People have are nursing injuries. It's it's tough to go on the road and win a Thursday night game. So I'm hoping that kind of favors the Steelers. You know, Ben made a comment this week. Well, we don't have a ton of time to game plan, so maybe we'll use more no huddle and just kind of play it. You know, wing it by ear. You know, and who has the advantage in the Dick LeBeau versus Ben Roethlisberger thing where they faced each other for so many years? You know, we know LeBeau's not going to be manning up too much. He's going to throw a lot of zone and zone blitzes. I would think Ben would be pretty comfortable with that. So I think most things point towards the Steelers win, but it does every week and it doesn't always work out that way. So that's why we watch the game. I <laughs> see so you're backing off of last week's predictions. Um, FC, um, think about Dick LeBeau. I don't, in me watching Tennessee this year, Rather than playing a lot of that uh, off-cushion cover three that they played in Pittsburgh, it seems like they're playing a lot of uh, cover two with man under, which is a completely different animal. Amazing for Dick LeBeau to just sort of reinvent himself with that team. Uh, am I seeing that right, or did you see something different out of them? No, you're, you're seeing it right. But I think there's the reason that he is playing you know, more man under is uh, they don't got the horses necessarily in the front especially on their defensive line and inside linebackers. So they they can't really two-gap. They attempt to two-gap, but they can't do it. Um, and their their defensive backs are athletic and they can run, but they 
they're not quick reacting to the ball. So the closer you have them to the receiver, the less thinking, the less – that sounds horrible, <laughs> horrible way of putting it. But uh, I've, I've watched a ton of Tennessee, to be honest with you. Um, I actually like what they're doing. Um, I've, I've never was a huge fan of LeBeau, but they're creative. They're creative on both sides of the ball, and their creativity actually concerns me. Um, the reason I think that they are, they're playing the, you know, less off coverage is um, teams have showed that they'll pick you apart with the short passing game. You know, every team in the NFL except for, well, the Steelers. Um, you know, if you give us some question in the NFL, teams are perfectly happy to take second and five, you know, and just keep on doing it to get down the field. The Steelers don't see, you know, that doesn't seem to be their game plan ever. So, um, I think that LeBeau is actually doing it more out of necessity than out of innovation or teaching he does. But, you know, we shall see. Yeah, uh, Perch, I mean, do you, you know, talking about the Tennessee offense for a second, um, one thing I noticed is that they like to run a lot of, uh, like, what I would call backside screens, meaning they show power to one side and then, uh, you know, after play pick or whatever, they turn around and throw a tight end screen or something to the other side. I don't see that play working very well against the Steelers. Um, that doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that they struggle with at all. Um, and they have a running back, Tennessee, that's not really a big, you know, quick guy that seems to give them problems. Um, it just feels like this is not a good matchup for Tennessee on offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Those teams that run a lot of that misdirection stuff, like Kansas City, Pittsburgh's eating it up. And they're, they're pretty smart defense. They don't get fooled a lot on that sort of a thing. Um so, yeah, I mean, everything kind of points to the Steelers in this one, That you know, the familiarity with, with Dick LeBeau and, and the short week and the home game and up and down the roster, the Steelers are a more veteran team, a better team on paper. You know, the, the prime time, the Steelers always win. When they play good teams, they always win. You know, it's the bad teams and, and you know, the, the road games that seem to trip them up. So everything points in the direction of uh, – of a win here. So, you know, they'll probably lose it just, just to piss us off. <laughs> um, uh, FC, let's talk for a second about the On the other side of the ball, Tennessee's uh, pass coverage situation, you know, they're, they're like 23rd in the league on defense. Um, and part of the problem is that they just, they have a cornerback problem. They have a safety problem. They have an inside linebacker problem. Um, you know, it seems like the strength of their team are like these edge rushers. But beyond that, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, what, if you're the Steelers, uh, how do they attack Tennessee right now? The best way to attack Tennessee right now would be to the short passing game. And this takes – I can't believe I'm going to use these words. Take the St. Louis Rams game plan. <laughs> five yards, five yards, five yards, seven yards, five yards, seven yards, five yards, touchdown. And teams get tired of it coverage and they average 40 fucking points a game. I mean, it, it, it sounds simple. Take what the defense is giving you. Don't square peg in the circular hole. Todd. <laughs> yeah, so what you're saying is this thing that you call short passing, I'm, sure, I'm not really familiar with that. I'm sorry. Right. Unless, we don't it's, do that. A, unless, it's, a, unless it's a zero yard uh, drag route or a throw you to you have the Bell most dangerous the receiver <laughs> after their catch in the NFL last year, and you will not throw him the football two yards downfield. 
the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell could have had 20 receptions for 240 yards last week. They showed eight and nine-man fronts with two deep safeties, and they were bailing this, the linebackers out as soon as Ben went into a drop. Le'Veon Bell could have leaked out and literally caught two-yard balls and went five to seven yards before there was a defender in his way. That's yeah, what the Steelers like going to have to do. But the linebackers, you know, are sitting on, I don't know, perch. Like, maybe I'm crazy. I feel like it's when the teams play the Steelers, the, the routes are so the route, routes and route combinations for each kind of receiver are so repetitive that that they and the, the play, other team is sitting on the route. So the, the linebacker runs up and you know knows that Bell is going to turn at one yard and go to the sideline, or he's going to stop there. He's not going to run a four yard slant route or anything like that against him. So he's got a chance to even you know even if he was fooled initially, he's got a chance to kind of recover. When when Mar- Martavis Bryant takes more than one step off the line of scrimmage, you know downfield, the corner bails. You saw it Desir on the on the interception did exactly that. The moment that Bryant took an extra step, Desir started turning and started running up the field because he knows Bryant's not going to run a stop, he's not going to run a dig, he's not going to run a slant, he's going to run a go route. And, and it's we, just over and over again. That they're sitting last week, right? I mean, that's that's what we see. I mean, the, the uh, NFL teams are giving Martavis Bryant the biggest cushion of any receiver in the NFL, and the Steelers have done absolutely nothing to, to counter that. I mean, why can't we complete a deep pass to Martavis Bryant? Is he slower than he used to be? No. Is the defender starting ten yards off the line and, and being in better position to catch the ball? And you know, why why is Ben so good at, at throwing deep balls and, and the best in the, in the league over the last two years? And this year, he's the worst. Everybody's playing, you know, we know they know we're going to try and take a deep shot to Martavis. They're playing him 10 yards off the line, and we don't do anything to counter that. The, the digs and the, and the quick stops and the, and the back shoulder stuff to, you know, you know, complete four or five balls to Martavis Bryant for seven or eight-yard gains, and now the coverage comes up, and then you can beat the guy deep. They do nothing like that. I just pulled up uh, Le'Veon Bell stats, all right? He's, uh, he's got 251 receiving yards and like 269 yards after the catch. Oh, I just lost my page, but uh, that's that's pretty much what it is. He's like 15 yards more yak than actually receiving yards. So most of the, the receptions to him are dump-offs behind the line of scrimmage, and, and that's it. They're, they're, they aren't really aren't throwing to him down the field at all. And it's, you know, they've had trouble, and people have kind of caught on to what they do, and they haven't made the adjustments and changes to take advantage of what people are showing them. <clears throat> okay, me FC's last thought on this. I'm gonna say that sure sounds like the offensive coordinator or the guy calling the plays is not manipulating the defense. Absolutely. Just, yeah, I mean that's what it sounds praying, like to me. I'm call me crazy. You're not crazy. I'm praying to little baby Jesus, Jehovah, Ra the Sun God, Mohammed, <laughs> everyone that taught Haley Jobu. that I have that I may be Jobu, that I may have come <laughs> on something where Todd Haley is actually trying to hold shit up, hold shit back. And it's the famous Mike Tomlin saying, you are what you put on film. And I think that the Steelers are a little bit afraid of some advanced scouting and giving away too much before games matter. It's a crazy thought. Everyone I spoke to, including the two of you, think I'm 100% full of shit. I hope (laughs) that I am right. I don't think that I necessarily am, but I'm hoping I'm right. Yeah, that's funny. All right, guys, let's go just very quickly. Um, our Around the League pick segment, um, that's brought to you by... Mike Ferreira, Dean Blandino, Chico's Bonds, Akib Tlaib's mom. 
and the Permani brothers moving into the great state of South Carolina. Oh, oh, that's newsworthy for sure. Um, Perch, uh, your your Minnesota at the Rams. You, Minnesota, you referred to them as sort of Steeler like underrated. Uh, they're at home against the Rams, uh, and they're a favorite against the Rams, which is sort of unbelievable considering how the Rams have played. What do you think happens in that game? Um, I think the Rams are a lot better team. I've I've got the Rams winning that and, and winning easily. I I wouldn't say that the the Vikings. I didn't say that they're underrated. I said they're scrappy and and win ugly games. You know they they they've got a good roster, but they're not lighting people up. So. Um, no, I, I think the Rams are pretty legit this year. I think after the Eagles, that might be the second strongest uh, team over in the NFC. Uh, so, yeah, give me the Rams, and I'll give the points or take the points, whatever's going on there. Um, they, am I correct that Minnesota now playing outdoors? Is that right? Not yet. They're back, in, they're, they're back inside. I believe that their, fin- their stadium will be finished, and I believe they go outdoors next year. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so, uh, FC, how do you see this game? I think the Rams are going to win. I won't be surprised if this is the best game of the weekend. I like a lot of things about Minnesota's defense, but the Rams offense just when you got it's just a perfect example of you got you know enough talent and you got a quarterback, a coordinator on the same page. You know their offense flows as good as any offense I've seen since probably the Rams and the greatest one. Pair. I'm not comparing it to that yet. But they are putting up some points. You yeah, know, that so. that guy. I'll tell you what. I'm really very. You know, we've said this before. Very impressed with that coach. Um, I'm going to go against you guys. I'm going to take Minnesota at home. Um, I, I still, you know, I, I Jared Goff has made huge strides this year and has looked pretty good in their offense. As you said, has had a lot of flow. But if there's one thing that can break up flow, it's a guy like Everson Griffin and corners like uh, Minnesota has. Um, I kind of like. Minnesota to eke out a game, eke out a win here. I, I guess, I guess Teddy Bridgewater is still not going to start for this team, but knowing that you have that in your back pocket, uh, if you need it, I feel like is a you know it's going to be a boost for Minnesota uh, eventually. Anyhow, um, let's see. Uh, this would be the other game I was going to go to quickly was New England uh, versus Oakland. This game is at Mexico City. Uh, I think ostensibly Oakland is the home team here. Um, anything stop the New England train? I know, Perch, you're going to pick New England. Crime and violence in Mexico City is what I'm hoping for this week. <laughs> <laughs> or that the high altitude will cause some, you know, uh, Ernie Adams to like uh, go into convulsions or something. Uh, I, um, I, you know, I'm contractually obligated to pick the New England Patriots every week for for eternity at this point because Brady's found the fountain of youth and is never going to retire and. And I think Brady's a, or Belichick's a vampire to begin with. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the Patriots. Whatever the whatever the spread is, I'll give you the spread, and I'm taking the Patriots. Six and a half, six and a half. New England is a favorite. I mean, the thing about this game, FC, is it might be the best chance New England has to lose a game the rest of this regular season, uh, aside from the Steelers game. So yeah. we have to be really rooting hard for Oakland in this game. I think. Yeah, um, I agree with that, and. Uh... I can't believe I've been to Denver and uh, it's hard to pull air there. It really is for someone that's not acclimated. You can actually tell the difference. Mexico city's like a thousand feet higher. No, it's almost twice. It's almost twice as high. That's what I thought it was. I didn't want to be ridiculous and show that repeated fifth grade twice, but um, (laughs) I didn't repeat fifth grade twice. 
was sixth grade. But um, it's going to be tough to play there. It's going to be tough to pull there. I expect that uh, the New England will eke out an ugly win at the very least. But I won't be surprised if the Raiders give them some issues, especially if Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper can manage to catch the fucking football and not drop it. Because um, they have talent on offense. They have, you know, it's they don't have your, your classic, you know, uh, Skittles, Marshawn Lynch isn't what he once was. But you still have Washington and Richard, Crabtree, Cook. I mean, I don't like Derek Carr that much, but he's a decent quarterback. You know, can they get to Brady? You know, will Khalil Mack show up? Will anybody else, will Bruce Irvin show up? Will anybody else on the defense show up? I'm taking New England, but I'm hoping the Raiders win. Yeah. I mean, um, I, can't, I expect New England to, to figure out some stupid way to win this game, much like uh, Jacksonville did last week. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I'm with you guys. At this point, you, if you want the beast to die, you're going to have to slay the beast. Um, by the way, just to be uh, – in full disclosure, uh, Mexico City, on average, is about 37% higher than Denver. Not double, but yeah. Anyway, all right, that was our illustrious pick segment because we're contractually obligated to mention Chico's bail bonds every week here on the SealerFury.com podcast. That brings us to our prediction about our five-star matchup. Uh, it's at least a four-and-a-half-star matchup this week um, with, with Dick LeBeau coming back to town, standing on the other sideline. Uh, Perch, I love that... Uh, the head coach in the press conference said that he's uh, he said it's going to be unusual to look across the other sideline and see Dick. Ha. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what is it? What a boom! What a boom! Uh, Perch, tell us what you think is going to happen this week's game on Thursday Night Football: Steelers against the Titans. Uh, the Steelers will not cover. What's the spread in this game? I can I, think I can be sure of that. But the Steelers won't cover whatever that. Whatever that seven point. Is. They're a seven point favorite. Oh, that's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll keep it close. You know, they'll make sure that uh, they they do enough to screw it up. They, they may even come out and play well because this is a prime time game and it's home and it's against a good team. But they will find a way to let them back in it late. I'm gonna roll twenty three twenty Steelers. There you go. You will roll. Let's let's roll. Um, that's like a blowout for the Steelers right now. Uh, FC, what do you think? I was picking the Titans up until this morning. I think the Steelers are going to win this game 23-21. That 23 is scary that both Perch and I came up with because I wrote down the score. Um, it's going to be ugly. Um, the Steelers are going to have opportunities to put the game away, and they're not going to. Um, Marcus Mariota, Mike Malarkey are creative with the offense. I think they'll they'll put up points. I just have a feeling the Steelers will put up a few more points and uh, eke out an ugly win that they will not cover. I'll be shocked if they cover the seven points. I don't bet against the Steelers. I'm considering putting in a few dollars on the Titans to cover tomorrow. Um, you know, the, I think the average NFL uh Game, if I'm not mistaken, is 27-13. So that's like the score that always comes to mind. It's always in the back of my mind. That I always like to try to, you know, when I don't know what I think about the score, I'll just spit out 27-13. Um, but I, that's sort of my default position. I think on paper, this is a 23-13 game, meaning if you went by the, all the results through the course of the year and took all the personalities out of it or any kind of like trends out of it, it's a 23-13 game. I, I think the Steelers are going to play a little bit better than that uh, on Thursday, but 
you know, and, and, and hope that I'm right rather than believe strongly that I'm right. But I'll call it, uh, I'll call it, I'll call it 27, 13 Steelers win. Um, it may be as close as you guys think 20, 23, 17, 23, 20, also not out of the question somewhere in that range. I don't think it's a big, big offensive explosion. Um, but I do think that they win somehow. It's a home game. It's prime time. It's on a short week. They have the advantage being at home. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers, um, despite my better judgment. Um, Persh, I'll give you your last word. Well, there's only like four teams left in the NFL who haven't scored 30 points at all this season. Three of them have the top three picks in the draft with San Francisco, Cleveland, and the New York Giants, the other team being your 2017 Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think we're going to keep that streak alive this week and, and stay under the 30 points. Uh, one other thing is, who the hell is the sixth seed going to be in the uh, AFC this year? I mean, that, that sucker is wide open. I just read this morning that Buffalo benched Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman. And to me, they were the favorite to Ouch. get that. So, I mean, we're looking at, like, Ravens and Bengals and, and I don't even know who else. The Dolphins still have legitimate shots at that sixth seed in the playoffs. But uh, it's just a weird year in the AFC. Um, but, yeah, I think your Steelers may go all, all 16 games this year without scoring 30 points in a game. <laughs> the streak remains alive. FC, your final thought. Player safety doesn't mean shit to the NFL owners. Doesn't mean shit to the NFL. If they, I mean, these Thursday games, now don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to watching the Steelers play tomorrow, but it's fucking criminal to, to ask, you know, these men to turn around, you know, basically with a day, two days rest, and go out there and do it again. Um, I understand the Steelers had the bye week and blah, 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 blah. It's all about money. And, uh, you know, I can understand that it's a business, but don't. Don't try to say that you're worried about the well-being of the players. You're worried about, you know, your $500 million paycheck that you get every year from the league. <laughs> True enough. Um, I, my final thought this week is uh, something that words that you might not have think of will go together, but I'm telling you right now are going to go uh, together. Alien success? <laughs> Pro Bowl quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger in 2017. Um, you know, in looking at the other quarterbacks, just just for those of you who think Ben Ben is uh, having like a, a year to forget, um, I can you name three quarterbacks in the in the in, uh, AFC who are have having a better year than Ben Roethlisberger? No, no way. <laughs> Which is amazing enough on, in its in itself. So uh, anyway, just something to think about. It's like even. That that either tells you the worthlessness of the Pro Bowl if you think Ben has been terrible, or it tells you that he's been a little bit better than we, you know, think that he is. Maybe uh, anyway. Hopefully this week uh, he plays a little bit more like that Pro Bowl quarterback uh, on the short week. And if he gets to call his own plays, my guess is he probably will. Gentlemen, thank you for an excellent show. Uh, on behalf of Steel Perch FC, to everybody at SteelerFury.com FC, I apologize for giving you the wrong day, my friend. Perfect. I didn't want anyone to think I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, why? You're of an asshole. Let's, let's not go that far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Okay, Jeff. Talk that. to you next week after a gigantic Steelers victory. Go get them, Steelers. Go Steelers. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. 
Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. 